0: Welcome to Room for Growth,
1: a Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher.
0: Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started,
1: there's plenty of room to grow.
0: Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's fing grow. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Room for Growth. Super glad you are here today. I don't entirely know what we have in store for you, but I have a teaser for you. It's that Billy warned me he's got questions about personalization. So on one hand, how can you empower different types of personalization use cases in your technology, particularly customer data platform, customer engagement platform, or CRM? Two, are those use cases worth their weight. Do they drive returns? Do people find them creepy? Are they appreciated? We're going to try to make some sense of personalization what carries its own weight. Is that right, Billy? Is that what we're doing today?
1: Yeah. You know, and I was thinking we talked a lot about CDP. There's always like these technical pieces of CDP that we're we're talking about. But I I was reading this article and the author of the article mentioned they've looked at customer surveys, looked at customer feedback of what type of activities do they find creepy versus what type of activities do they find valuable? And I don't know, as I was reading through some of this, I was like, wait a second. Some of these things feel like best practices. And like everything, it's like all about the approach and not maybe the the, the true tactic. But I just wanted to like throw a couple of these at you. So the article that I'm referring to is 19 CDP use cases that can annoy or engage your audience. And I wanted to just like pick through a couple of these. All right. Okay, I'm ready. So in the creepy category, I think there's probably a couple that were like, wait a second. And then others that we would say, yeah, I agree. That's like, that's super creepy. Let's start with one that I think we can agree on, like apps that listen to what you're saying, which like there's the, like this is like in, if you like go out to the coffee shop. So like, did you hear that Facebook is listening to you? And like there's all these arguments around that. And so I agree, like generally, that's probably a creepy tactic. But the one it, that this author has listed as creepy, the very first one really caught me off guard, and that is using location data. And like, I would love to like talk to our friends at Radar and like in particle and segment to like, how many of your marketers are using location data? And I'm guessing they're going to say every single one of them. And the example he has in here is, hey, you're close to our store. Come in now for a, a free gift. And it kind of states, this is too much like stalking. So let's sit here for a second. Using location data, like how, how do you do this as a, as a marketer? Well.
0: Totally. Wait, let me back up for just a second. Okay. So rule number one of is it creepy or is it not is don't be creepy. Almost always. (laughs) (laughs) There are some of these use cases that set out with the best of intention and either how they're messaged or how they're executed is what makes them creepy, even though they don't have to be. So part of these, I think there's a really big difference between what the vision was and then how it was executed. And it's really easy to miss the mark and end up seeming creepy when you're not. Two, on the listening front, I think I'm a weirdo in this regard. I don't think most apps have the capability to actually be listening. A few probably could do voice recognition and then auto bot that into something that's a recommendation. But for the most part, people forget how much information they just give to companies. Actually, in the changes to some of the cookies and the way that people pixel track usage, when you're giving permission now because of Changes in how brands have to ask for permission, you are actually giving brands much more expansive permission to know what you're looking at across the internet. So they don't have to listen. You're telling them you're making purchases, you're visiting people who have made other types of purchases. It's not, this isn't hard stuff. Like people get kind of amazed at how well marketers can reach you with a product that might be a little bit top of mind for you. But it's actually, there's nothing really creepy going on besides the fact that you're consenting to how much data goes out. So, okay, now let's get into location. I think actually location is not super creepy. I think people understand and like the idea. They know that they have their app on your phone. And generally, you can know where somebody is based on where their phone is. We all use map apps now and take directions from our phone. I think people are getting a lot more comfortable with the idea that if you carry a cell phone around with you, the brand doesn't know where you are. It knows where your, where your cell phone is. So I don't think they freak out about that. There are some use cases where actually people love when a brand is aware of their location. So drive through being a big one. You placed an order to pick up food. You've arrived in the drive through and you don't even have to do anything to tell that brand, Hey, I'm here. The brand already knows. You're already aware that it's time to bring your food out. They love that. Um, An in-store version of an app. A lot of consumers actually love when a brand knows that... A consumer is in the store. So say, for instance, I, I don't think Target does this, but Target is my go-to. So say you're in Target and you're looking at an item and you want to price compare. Is it cheaper online? Is it cheaper at Target? Is it cheaper at another brand? And Target could say, hey, are you price comparing? We'll make sure we price match with another brand, a competitor. Or yeah, we can ship this to your home at no cost if it's out of stock in the store. Like Those are really helpful examples. I think when they're really creepy is like, hey, we know you're half a mile away and we'd just really like you to stop in. Like, that's creepy.
1: It's also kind of lazy, right? It's probably very ineffective.
0: It's so lazy. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, but saying like, we know you're half a mile away and if you turn around and leave the McDonald's drive through to come to Burger King, we'll give you a special value meal. That worked like gangbusters.
1: As you're talking, I'm thinking there's a lot of really great use cases that are like uh, utilities that make the experience better. Like, oh, we started preparing your food because we know you're in the parking lot or, hey, you're at the store. Starbucks does this like you're at the store. So click here uh, tap here to open up your loyalty card just to make the whole scanning process a lot easier. But where it gets risky, I feel like, is using location data to try to drive traffic uh, essentially, sales I think is where you have to be very delicate, and you have to be very smart. We highlighted like the the lazy example, like "Hey, you're a half a mile away. Time to swing by McDonald's." Okay, probably not that that effective. So, any examples that jump out to you as like using location data to drive drive traffic, like unexpected traffic?
0: So that one, I think people call it creepy, but it's actually just annoying. It's like, hey, brand that I don't care about. I wasn't showing any intent to want to visit your store and you're not offering me anything special to do it. You're just trying to point out that it like might be convenient. Actually, one of those use cases that I can think of is a movie theater for quite a while was geo-targeting anybody who came within a certain radius of their theaters to just like send a push to say, come on in. The thing that was really annoying about that is if you're driving on the freeway, they have several theaters or like a pretty major byway through a city. Yeah. You have no intent on like going to a movie at that moment. And you're just getting this distracting message that's supposed to be location aware. Like that's just a point where it's not creepy. It's just, it's annoying. But on the other hand, one example of this I think is good is say pizza place a, or local, you know, pub or restaurant says, Hey, everybody who's in this stadium, Here's a special discount if after the game you're wearing your insert team name and you visit us with an order. Yeah, it's like there's a little value in that. It's a little fun. It draws community. That's a great example. Furthermore, just stadiums in general, it actually really can change the experience. If you know somebody's live at an event, the way you can market to them is wildly and should be wildly different than if somebody's watching television.
1: So I think we align here. So the uh, move on to another one that they have kind of in the potentially annoying category. And I, I, I thought this was like a good point, but a tricky one, inferring a habit from a single transaction. So it's like you buy your mother a beautiful red hat. I don't, I mean, there's probably a better example. But let's say you don't have a cat, but your mom wants gifts for her cat for Christmas. You buy it one time, and now all of a sudden, your Insta feed is filled with cat products. This is also strikes me as very lazy and in something that brands in a really good CDP strategy, you should be able to, to understand kind of a one-time purchase versus, you know, this is an obvious fan, right?
0: Maybe. So, a couple of big ones here. One use case that I know is really common that brands struggle with, and it should be so simple to solve, is they don't know when somebody is visiting because they have a gift card or they're purchasing a gift card or not. So, that should be an easy one. If somebody has purchased a gift card, you should not then start sending them all kinds of messages about your brand. They don't care. They were not the recipient of that gift, probably. And that's just sort of lazy because it means you didn't take the time to collect the data that you really need to help that gift card receiver also have a great experience and come back and nurture. Second of all, it just goes into the fact that too many brands immediately start inundating people with messages versus giving them like a little respectful window to train them into the brand and and get some more signals about how much they might like to be Included So that one's interesting. The second is like, I think funny, and this one's harder to solve from a scale perspective, is like you buy a vacuum on Amazon and then Amazon assumes you want more vacuums and you want recommendation. Like, when to know that a purchase is like, nah, I'm done. But generally, I think that purchase should be the point that you at least have some level of understanding. You just took a high value action with me. It's now my turn to restart a cycle of thanking you of telling you what new things might be coming available. And then yeah, adding that single data point to a group of data points about what you are interested in. It is hard though, because it's, it's a best practice if somebody purchases something, the thing they're most interested in purchasing next is probably what they purchased before. That's actually like pretty good starting logic. You just can't have that logic rule everything you do.
1: Yeah. So the gift, the gifting idea is like a perfect scenario where this is like, just, you know, don't start blasting somebody after they, they've purchased a gift because it's probably a one-time purchase. I just purchased a shirt from a new brand cricket. I think it's called cricket C R don't know how to, how to pronounce the brand, but I'm starting to get that experience where I buy one shirt and now I'm getting an email every single day. I'll give them credit though. Their, their emails are very focused on like, Hey, you just need one more purchase and you qualify for like free shipping for the year. You become a VIP and so they're very action like benefit oriented. So, I'll cut them some slack. But let's let's scroll down the list and look at other kind of now we're into the area of like these are the what he's what he, the author is saying is these are like the ideal scenarios, not creepy, not annoying ways to leverage a CDP. And there were a couple that we've talked about, or er, exclusive and early access. If you produce timely content, early access for loyal members is a big benefit. That's one that I was like, I "Love that!" Because what's the benefit of a loyalty program? Like every loyalty program has points and discounts, but like early access is something that I think not a lot of brands leverage. And this doesn't really work for like food service, as an example. Like, what what, what would you want maybe early access for? But New product rollouts, seasonal rollouts, those sorts of things. I think there's a, a huge opportunity here.
0: That's a good question. I'm still stuck on something from before, though. So I have to go back for just a second, and then I can come forward. You know how my brain works. It goes in full cycles. Um, one thing that I do think I've been seeing more frequently, you've been talking a lot about just the power of content, how content can change the intent. So, to your point about, hey, you don't need another t shirt, but part of how they're messaging that is like if you just buy one more, then you reach a loyalty tier. I've seen a lot of brands, instead of remarketing directly on their website products that you already purchased, they're now just creating modules and sections that say items you've browsed or past purchases where they call it out for what it is. And then if that becomes helpful content because you are there to see what you purchased in the past or what you looked at, it's called out in that way. And it just feels less annoying. Than seeing a thing you just purchased again. So so that just feeds into the idea of like, just be honest and transparent with your customers about what they've done with you and why you're re feeding it to them. Okay, loyalty programs and early access. That one's interesting to me because the first thing I'm thinking is like, you don't really need a CDP to tell your loyalty customers that there's like new loyalty rewards available or that they could have early access to sale. That's pretty simple segmentation right there that doesn't require the advanced personalization that you would get from a CDP. So that's an interesting one. You certainly could use a CDP for it, but that's not usually the problem that most brands are solving for in that use case. The thing they're solving for, to your point, Billy, is that they just don't Do it frequently enough. They don't understand that loyalty members might care about having early access to a storefront or even to your point around like a fast food restaurant, um, loyalty rewards or new items sell out really quickly. So giving your loyalty members one extra day to say, Hey, come and buy this item. It's not even listed yet. Here's the special password to get this menu item. Things like that can be really super fun. They can absolutely drum up support. I mean, like Nordstrom's entire business is based on this sale that they do every year, and it's exclusive for their credit card holders to get first access to it. Like that's a huge tactic of theirs. Where else have you have you seen this one, or where else do you wish you would see it?
1: Fashion is where I think like clothing retailers, um, and, and the, the, that sorts is where I, I, I see that sort of thing all the time. I think generally I, where I'm, I'm stuck in a, a mental cycle right now of, do I actually need a CDP to do these things? You, so you kind of got me mentally just, dis- mentally distracted. And as I'm scanning this list of like all the cool stuff, I'm like, wow, Billy's got a good point. Like, to do early access? Do you really need a CDP to do that? It's fairly basic segmentation. What does a CDP actually unlock is really what starts to ask.
0: In this use case, here's an example I can think of. Say it is height of the pandemic. You cannot buy a new car off the lot if you tried. You try to go to restoration hardware and all of the items you want to buy are backlogged like 10 months. It's an insane cycle. And then you have loyalty members who sign up. They create an account with you. They start favoriting their items or they put them in their cart. And then for people who have had those items in their cart, you basically do a raffle to say, like, if you add these items to your cart, we'll give you 24 hours to purchase them and we'll let you know within like you know, a week or something, I could see something like that feeling like a really important benefit. And that's something you would need a CDP to be able to do to say, if this specific item comes back in stock or you can't pre-order it, or we get a special amount of them, we'll let you know first. That's almost like if you're waiting to see if you get upgraded on a plane sort of use case. And in that case, that item match does typically needs a CDP, not always.
1: A couple of things on his list you kind of touched on, it, like prizes, a chance to win a prize and like doing really creative prizing and, and and giveaways is something that a CDP can help. You might not necessarily need a CDP to do that, but it can help you do it in a really, really effective way. And then something that I know a CDP is really effective at that's on this list is abandoned cart reminders. Really, really thoughtful, creative, abandoned cart reminders. How do you feel about those? Um, hey, you've, you've left this in your cart here's a discount or a, an incentive to check out. What do you What do you think there?
0: Again, I think that's a pretty easy use case. It's one single event. Most CRMs are fully capable, even a CEP or a customer engagement platform, really capable of posting that data. I think it's just like, how does that use case fit into how many use cases you have in total? If you just need basic abandoned cart and you just want to send a reminder hey, you still have items in your cart, just reminding you they're here. You can you can do that with fairly limited data. If you really want to be able to say, you've got these seven items in your cart and let us connect the content that you're using, that's generally just a headless content management system or some kind of way of using connected content. So not necessarily a CDP needed to do that. You do need some basic like data architecture and event taxonomy set up and a CDP helps empower that. But like Generally, those would be things that any good customer engagement platform or CRM would also be capable of. I'm trying to think about when a CDP would really make that use case better.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what what does a CDP really unlock um, that's like, wow, now that we have this CDP in place, we can do like this, we can do X and this is like really going to move the needle.
0: Yeah. I think one difference might be like when those items go out of stock and you want to be notified when they're back in stock. And then you want to pair that with the fact that you have loyalty points available, or you have a discount code that's waiting for you, or you have a birthday gift reminder, like the ability to layer those different types of personalization and do it at scale and do it in a way that's automated. That's what a CDP is really great for when it's not just like one use case you're trying to trigger with a single message, but how do you layer together multiple modules to create a truly unique experience for each user, those get really tricky without a CDP. One that I think of pretty significantly is in media, for media brands that also do in-person events, so say like sports. If you are a ticket holder and you purchased a ticket to a game on Ticketmaster and you're gonna be live and in-person for that game, but you will also receive emails from that sports franchise business. Let's just say it's the NBA. I don't know that the NBA does this. the NBA gets purchase data from Ticketmaster. They know that you're going to very likely be live and in person for a game in a week. Having just like a countdown clock that says like, see you at this stadium in seven days, six days, five days can be really effective if they're going to also tell you, by the way, there's new jerseys out for these players that you favorited in the app and you abandon cart. If you come back in the next 30 minutes and you make a purchase, we'll give you X off. When you want to have that level of personalization, you need a CDP
1: speaking of media brands, like the streaming services have mastered this in, in a lot of ways, like um, in terms of show recommendations and, and helping kind of helping you navigate this endless sea of options. They've done it really well. What I have not seen as much as brands in the kind of consumer retail do this at a at a way that it's like almost hard to come up with really really great examples because I think we're we're just at the beginning of them trying to figure out should we spend all this money to implement this platform and what's the benefit we're going to get they're kind of still talking about basic personalization and it's 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 not rocket science but anything else you know there's as I looked through the the list of like the cool stuff I was kind of underwhelmed that's where it was like man we need to talk about this cuz surely there's more to and maybe it's it's really all in the nuance and it's less about these, these tactics, but what a CDP really opens up is the ability to do this, but do it at, you mentioned, at scale, automated is really where the magic starts to happen.
0: When I think about a CDP and the decision of whether to invest in one or not... I'm of two minds. I don't generally say this, but I think it's important with a customer data platform. I don't, you know, generally, I think pick a couple of use cases and make sure that you're empowered to do those use cases to the best of your ability. A great way to think about how to be successful with adopting a technology. But with a customer data platform, you also kind of have to think if you're building a house, one of the decisions that you might have to make is do you want to be on a city septic system? Do you want to build your house in a way that you're going to have access to like gas appliances. And if you make those decisions, yes or no, they might determine whether or not you can, say, have um, like an actual flame in your outside light that's on the front of that your house next to your address numbers. That can be a huge aesthetic difference. But you're not going to make the decision to have gas in your home or propane in your home or have a gas-powered stove, etc. You're generally not going to make it just for the stove you might make it just for the stove you're certainly not going to make it just so you can have a live flame burning at your front door even though that's a really beautiful aesthetic touch there's a bit of that here where you have to decide what what are the pipes what's going to be the health of the underlying systems in your customer data and where you're going to store it and how easy it's going to be for you to connect different pieces of data where the impact over time of your ability to capture nuance about your customers and then leverage it in a way that feels authentic and doesn't feel creepy. That's the difference. If you want to be able to do things that don't leave your customers with that ick vibe, often the ability to do things in an elegant way that leaves them feeling like, oh, that was helpful. That was valuable. That was nice. It was not creepy is in the execution. A CDP often allows you to do things without the ick associated with them because you can do it much more elegantly than the simple triggering of an out-of-the-box feature.
1: That's a great description. And I know I'm headed off to uh, some conference. It's kind of of fall conference season and heading off to some conferences. One of those is some events with one of our CDP partners. And I'm thinking, we should start to ask some of these questions to our, the CDP vendors. And, and uh, so I'll see if we can get get somebody from this particular platform on as a guest and we can start to ask them this question and see if they point to, I love your description of elegance. That's a, re- a really good way to think about it. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Room for Growth. Um, I'm sure we're going to have some uh, future conversations about CDP. It's something we're talking about with our clients all the time and, and it's certainly a, a hot topic in the industry right now. Um, especially with budget planning coming up in the new year. So look forward to some of those future conversations and thanks for listening today.